Love is not lust. Now, in our current social climate, there's often a lot of conflation between love and lust. We see love as something resulting from physical attraction. It's the result of hormones or chemicals or whatever other explanation we choose to assign to it. But when we take this approach, we're actually shortchanging love. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to An Average Account of Exceptional Things. My name is Chandler, and I'm your host. Thanks for joining us today. So as you may have noticed from this episode title, today we are starting a special series on the fruits of the Spirit. Now these are some very helpful attributes that we can learn a lot from studying and being mindful of. We can see in Scripture that a tree is judged by its fruits. And so we are going to be discussing the fruits that we as Christians should be bearing. Now, I don't want to spend too much time on this intro here, and so we're going to go ahead and jump straight into the scripture that we're going to be reading at the beginning of every episode for this series. This is where the fruits of the Spirit come from. It's Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 26. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Now this is one of my favorite passages from Scripture, and one thing that I love particularly about this group of verses is this phrase that we see right there in the beginning to middle. Against such things there is no law. And I love this because while I think it is incredibly important to stand up for the things that we believe in, to be bold and stand firmly for Christ. I love the idea that, you know, when you read these things, when you read the fruits of the Spirit, the fruits that we as Christians should be producing, and you think about it for just a second, you don't even have to think about it for long. Any reasonable person would look at these things, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And they would say, wow, those are good things. I mean, really, no person in their right mind is going to read that and think, my goodness, I don't think I could stand for there to be any more goodness in the world. It would just drive me crazy if I met one more person today who was gentle and self-controlled. We're just not going to encounter many people who are outwardly opposed to these things. Now, where we may see some divergence is how people consider some of these terms, some of these fruits to be defined. Obviously, here we're going to be looking in a biblical, scripturally 
sound context. However, uh, in some other interpretations of these terms, people may seek to twist these to kind of conform these ideas to fit the current social climate, for instance. But as a general rule, I think that most people, if not all of us, hopefully, uh, can agree that these are objectively good things, and we would all love to see more of all of these fruits in the world around us. And so this week's episode is going to get started off diving into those first two, love and joy. So let's just go ahead and get right into it. Let's talk about love. What is love? Well, that's hard to define, uh, but I'll tell you what love isn't. Love is not lust. Now, in our current social climate, there's often a lot of conflation between love and lust. We see love as something resulting from physical attraction. It's the result of hormones or chemicals or whatever other explanation we choose to assign to it. Uh, But when we take this approach, we're actually shortchanging love. We're cheapening our understanding of what love actually is because love is not lust. Love is so much more. Here's something else that love isn't. Love isn't a mystical, magical thing that takes control of us. It's a lot more of an action. Now this is something that the special lady in my life has told me time and time again, and I think that it would be prudent for me to share this with you. People don't fall in and out of love. It's a choice each and every day. We wake up and we choose to love. When you think about it, that's actually so much more powerful, though, because it shows the intentionality behind the words or behind the actions. It isn't that people love you because they have no choice. They choose to love you because they care about you. You don't love others for no reason. You choose to love because it matters to you, because you care. So we've talked a little bit about what love isn't, and that's great. But I think it's time that we talk about what love does look like, particularly through the scriptural lens. And for this, I want to read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Now, if you've ever attended a Christian wedding ceremony, odds are about 100% that you've heard these verses read before. But I want us to look at these attributes of love because we can show these in our actions towards other people on a daily basis. I think a lot of us have probably heard the phrase, 
actions speak louder than words. And these are the kind of actions and attitudes that communicate to people that you love them. You know, that's something that I'm a big supporter of as well. It's easy to say something to someone. It's easy to tell people that we love them, that we care about them. But are we showing that with our actions? Because ultimately, that speaks the loudest. And because love is so much more than a physical attraction, as we discussed just a moment ago, the other important thing to take away here is that it can be shared across every kind of relationship. Now, obviously, there's love in the romantic relationship, which is what we often think about first and foremost, and that's likely accompanied by some level of physical attraction. But there's also love in other contexts. There's love within a family, such as the love between a parent and a child. There's love between friends. There's love among fellow believers, or even just random people in everyday encounters. And the list goes on. Now, these are all relationships that don't involve any kind of physical attraction at all. But they are all opportunities and interactions in which we can show an earnest love with our actions. Think about the friend who drives out in the rain to jumpstart your car because your battery died when you went out to the grocery store. Or maybe it's a group of helpful church members who are working on repairing something around the house, helping you out, providing the labor or the tools to make that possible. The big point here, though, is this. When we think back to the characteristics that make up a true and genuine love as displayed in Scripture, these things describe exactly the manner in which Christ has dealt with us. So when you put in the forefront of your mind that incredible love that we have been shown, it's absolutely absurd to think that we shouldn't be pouring out that same love to others through our actions. So transitioning a little bit here, now I want to discuss that second fruit of the Spirit for today, and that's joy. Now once again, I'm going to diverge from the dictionary definition for this one as well, because as before, I feel like we often envision it a little bit differently than it actually is. I think it's very easy and, and very convenient to envision happiness and joy as the same thing, but I feel like that's not entirely accurate. So the dictionary definition here is actually a feeling of great pleasure or happiness. And often we think that joy equals just a lot of happiness or being super happy. When in fact, joy is something a lot deeper than that. Joy is something that comes from within. And as a result we can find the greatest joy independently of the circumstances we face. 
And I think that that is the true power that we can see here with joy compared to happiness. So now I'd like to go ahead and read another set of verses. This is going to be Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 through 13. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And so after reading this, the point that I want to bring to you here is that for a Christian, we find ultimate joy in the blessings and the promises of God. Now, That last verse there, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. We hear verse 13 quoted quite frequently, or at least I have. But really stop and think about that for just a minute. This verse reminds us that we can endure anything we face through Christ and his strength. Doesn't that elicit both a contentment, and also an excitement deep within you? Think about this. There will never be anything that any of us will face that can't be endured, that can't be overcome by the power of our God. To me, that's the kind of thing that is so pervasive that it carries you through every moment, good or bad, just like these verses highlight. Facing plenty and facing hunger. In times of abundance and in times of need. Now additionally, we can also find joy in the understanding that what is to come far outweighs the trials we encounter here on earth. And this goes back to the issue of perspective that we discussed just last week. When we have that heavenly perspective, that eternal perspective, the issues and the trials that we face here on earth just don't seem quite as large and quite as insurmountable as they can feel at times. And so that kind of segues us into the last point that I'd like to discuss as we start to come towards the close of today's episode. So we've discussed some reasons why we should be joyful or some things that we can rejoice in. So the question then remains, 
well, I understand that these things are true. I believe in my heart that these things are true. Why don't I always feel joyous? Well, there are a couple of reasons that I'd like to discuss today for why that might be the case. One reason may be that often we take our eyes off the prize, so to speak. And what I mean by that is we lose that perspective that we just discussed. Because what we dwell on actually has incredible significance. You may have heard this saying, the eyes are the window to the soul. Well, let's try this one. The eyes are like the mouth through which we consume information and ideas. So if the eyes are the mouth, then our mind is like the stomach. Our eyes are the vehicle for bringing things in to our minds. Now, if you've ever been killing time on a Saturday morning, just laying around the house and gone way down the rabbit hole of the YouTube suggested videos feed, you may have seen one of these videos. A day in the life of choose your favorite NFL player here. And it'll show their eating habits and it'll talk about what a typical day looks like and how many meals they eat and what their calorie intake is and all of these facts and all this information about their nutrition. These professional football players have top-notch nutritionists that ensure they're getting all the proper nutrients that they need. Why? Because how you fuel your body impacts how you perform. Plain and simple. And in a sense, the same is true in a spiritual context. The things that we feed our minds with have a serious impact on our attitudes and ultimately on our actions. So we need to make sure that we're feeding ourselves with that which is right, true, and pure, rather than junk food that leads us away from what is right. And that's what I mean by what we dwell on has incredible significance. Because what we dwell on is what we're choosing to feed our minds with. Another reason why we may not always feel joyous is that it's natural to feel the more negative emotions. It's natural to feel disappointment or to encounter feelings of anxiety or stress. But just because those feelings arrive, that doesn't mean that joy is absent as a result. We can feel disappointment even while rejoicing in the Lord. And the important part of this is that we recognize that this joy ultimately overcomes our hardships. And here's why. The things that we feel are temporary. Even during the times when it seems like they will never end, I assure you, they will. But we can find joy in the Lord forever. And as a result, all of the difficult emotions that we wrestle with, that we struggle with, maybe even on a daily basis, don't even hold a candle to the incredible joy that we can have in the Lord.
So I'd like to offer you a few closing thoughts as we wrap up the episode. First, I hope that you've enjoyed this week's episode and part one of our series on the fruits of the Spirit. These are fruits that we bear in every avenue of our lives. And one important thing to remind ourselves of is that a good tree does not produce bad fruits and vice versa. And so, if I could leave you with one last applicable, very practical piece of advice, it would be this. The most effective way to implement a habit is actually by changing the way that you view your identity. If you've ever read a book called Atomic Habits, it discusses this more in length. But essentially, the author states that in an example such as trying to ditch an alcohol addiction, the success doesn't necessarily come just because someone decides they're going to stop drinking. The best results come when that person changes their mindset from I'm an alcoholic who's trying to stop drinking to I don't drink. That's part of their identity. And similarly, for anyone who has tried dieting or improving their physical nutrition, it's not necessarily about going on a diet, that this is an action you're taking. It's about making it a lifestyle. Maybe that means that you say, I'm not the kind of person who drinks sodas. Or it's part of my identity and who I am that I prioritize my physical well-being. Whatever this looks like in terms of physical habits that we are trying to develop or break, I think that this can be incredibly helpful in a spiritual context as well. What I mean is, we should remember not to get the cart in front of the horse. These fruits come as a result of salvation found in Christ. That's why they're called the fruits of the Spirit, not the fruits of Chandler or the fruits of the United States or any other entity. They come through Him alone. And so similarly, when we remind ourselves that we are a Christian, when we remind ourselves of the incredible price that was paid for our salvation, it should communicate the importance of these things into our lives. And I think that that can be so incredibly motivating when we're talking about applying these day in and day out in the way that we treat people and even just our attitudes when things are going well or when things are going poorly. So with all that said, I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of An Average Account of Exceptional Things. And until next time, encourage one another, love your enemies, and count your blessings. Thank mm-hmm. you.